listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service. Educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 307, entitled Bans Against Gas-Powered Equipment. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions, the comments, and the feedback that you guys have been sending through. I really do appreciate it, and those uh, all-important iTunes reviews. Uh, Just a reminder uh, for you guys uh, that are planning uh, to go to uh, GIE Expo uh, in the fall uh, here of uh, 2021. Uh, that uh, you can uh, take advantage of the early bird pricing uh, before September the 9th for your uh, show passes, uh, as well as uh, in combination with that uh, early bird pricing, you can use uh, the discount code JULIO, J-U-L-I-O, and uh, take an additional 50% off of your show pass uh, price. So uh, just a great opportunity uh, if you're planning Planning on going uh, to the show, I know that uh, I believe it was in nineteen or sorry in uh, two thousand and eighteen uh, when uh, I was uh, seriously considering uh, going uh, to the GIE Expo. I didn't actually end up going until two thousand nineteen, my first year, uh, because uh, some stuff happened in two thousand eighteen with uh, some family members going uh, and having uh, finding out uh, they had cancer and stuff and needing surgery and things like that and it coincided with the time of the expo so I didn't end up uh, going to the expo uh, but uh, I had uh, taken advantage of uh, those early bird pricing and a 50% discount code uh, from somebody else in the community and uh, use that to uh, get my uh, show passes just in case uh, I was able to go and uh, took advantage of that because it just is so cheap uh, to do it that way. Uh, And, uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal if I couldn't go. Uh, that it wasn't a huge loss. So uh, if you haven't, um, you know, uh, booked your uh, tickets yet, uh, you know, doing it early uh, is the best uh, way to do it. Uh, So uh, yeah, just uh, uh, head on over to uh, the GIE Expo uh, website. There'll be a link also in the uh, podcast show notes that you can click and it'll take you directly there uh, and uh, apply that discount code for you. Uh, So uh, this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, bans against uh, gas-powered equipment. Now, the reason I uh, wanted to talk about this this week was because I was actually sitting uh, at home uh, yesterday uh, after work having uh, dinner. I uh, had the television on, the news uh, was on in the background, and uh, they were talking about how in the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, that two uh, city councillors had pet, uh, put forth a, um, I guess, a bylaw or something that they want, a proposed bylaw, I guess, <clears throat> that they want uh, to ban all two-cycle uh, gas-powered equipment um, by the year 2025. <clears throat> now, this is just a, a proposed um uh, you know, bylaw at the moment. So it's not something uh, that is affecting uh, anybody in the industry as of today uh, in the city of Vancouver. Although I know that across the U.S. Uh, that there is other cities that have already uh, put um, such bans in place and have already uh, banned uh, like leaf blowers, uh, for instance, uh, seem to be the biggest, uh, uh, you know, culprit in terms of uh, getting picked on by, uh, you know, people that don't want them uh, to be uh, used. Now, I can totally understand the, you know, side of the people that don't want to, uh, you know, uh, put up with hearing these uh, blowers and stuff and but that's from uh, my own point of view. I've always been very, 
um, aware of the noise uh, that I am creating uh, when I'm uh, working. I don't start work uh, until, uh, like, I don't leave my house uh, until 9 o'clock um, to get started. Sometimes, occasionally, I'll, I'll leave a little bit earlier so that I can time it and get to my first property at 9 o'clock. Because of that noise issue, I don't want to be disturbing people and all that stuff. And uh, similarly, I don't go past dinner uh, time. So like, you know, these days, of course, I'm working, you know, maybe four o'clock is the maximum. Uh, But even if I have to work late and stuff like that, you know, five, six o'clock, that's it. Like, uh, you know, I call it a day after that. And I know that there's, um, you know... uh, people out there, my brother-in-law included, who can uh, work till, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, uh, if need be, uh, to get stuff done. And uh, I just, you know, I've always just been very aware of the noise and stuff uh, that that creates and the need for people to have that quiet time uh, to unwind after a day of work and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of on that uh, uh more uh, understanding uh, point of view because uh, for me too it uh, uh, I I do see how uh, ironically uh, that uh, it could bother people especially when I'm uh, doing uh, content creation which is kind of funny because obviously I'm doing content creation around uh, the lawn care uh, business uh, and uh, you know doing things like podcasts and stuff like that and you know, inevitably, I'll be trying to film a YouTube video or something at home uh, in the backyard or uh, trying to do a podcast and, you know, the neighbor will fire up the lawnmower or uh, the leaf blower or something like that. And it's like, well, now I can't continue because it's just too noisy until that ends. So it's kind of funny that there's that kind of uh, dynamic, uh, even w- with the stuff that I do. Uh, but the you know bans on gas powered equipment uh, have the potential obviously to uh, make a huge impact and disrupt uh, our industry and uh, all of our businesses uh, so i also see it from that point of view and i see uh, the more uh, realistic uh, part of that um you know, argument there is on the business owner side, uh, because as you guys know, I do a lot of uh, equipment testing. Uh, I've uh, experimented with uh, battery powered equipment, namely the uh, Milwaukee uh, series stuff. And for the most part, for certain uh, aspects, certain types of equipment, uh, like hedge trimmers, for example, I absolutely love the battery powered equipment. I hands down, uh, will use the battery powered equipment over my gas equipment. I haven't used, uh, my gas, uh, hedge trimmers, uh, in a couple of years now. Ever since I got the Milwaukee, the handheld, uh, head trimmer, and then the, um, they put out that, um, split lock system, which is basically like their combi or pass system uh, with the extension pole, with the articulating uh, hedge trimmer attachment. Um, You know, once I got those two pieces, a small handheld electric uh, cordless um, hedge trimmer, and then, uh, you know, the combi type system electric uh, hedge trimmer, it's completely replaced uh, my gas equipment. I haven't even used uh, the gas equipment. In fact, uh, I'm thinking about uh, selling all of my uh, remaining uh, steel uh, equipment uh, that I have uh, because it just uh, gets in the way. It just, uh, you know, is uh, something you end up tripping all over and stuff uh, because there's just nowhere to put uh, uh, the stuff and uh, it's not getting used. Uh, So um, in that respect... You know, I absolutely love uh, the electric uh, equipment. And for a few reasons, um, with hedge trimming, uh, my experience uh, has been that uh, with the gas-powered stuff, you know, um, the amount of noise uh, with hedge trimming uh, seems to be more excessive uh, just because it's a lot more prolonged. Um, you know, it's not like 
at least for the jobs that I'm doing. Now, take that into context. As you guys know, I work in the city, right? I'm doing smaller properties. Um, so when I'm doing something like string trimming a lawn, you know, maybe it's five minutes of string trimming that I have to do or 10 minutes at the most versus if I'm doing a hedge where, you know, you might be working on a hedge for a half an hour straight or 45 minutes or whatever the case may be, or a few hours even, um, you know, so my experience with hedge trimming is that it's more prolonged. So that noise is constant. So that was one of the biggest appeals for me with the electric stuff was that it was so much quieter for those prolonged use scenarios. The other thing is with hedge trimming, there's a lot of times where that, uh, and that might be part of that noise too, is that, uh, you know, you've got that machine in a lot of cases, you know, in closer proximity to your face, uh, because you might be trimming, you know, right at like head height and uh, have that machine, uh, you know, trimming a hedge or something at that face height. So that noise is in that closer proximity uh, to your face and to the the direction that your ears are um, pointed to. So even with hearing protection and stuff like that, you know, even with the big cans on your head, whether the isotunes or the tough sounds, whatever, you know, Peltors, whatever you want to use, it's amazing how much that noise just cuts through and still reaches uh, your ears. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it can be overwhelming at times when you're sitting there having to do it uh, for a long period of time. Uh, so, and then the other thing, because of that close proximity uh, with your head, is the pollution, is breathing in uh, that those exhaust fumes, those uh, two-stroke uh, fumes with the oil mix in there, uh, can make you absolutely, you know, can be nauseating at times. Uh, I know that uh, by the end of the day, um, you know, I can feel ill uh, if I'm doing a lot of like hedge work, uh, that sort of stuff, just feeling, you know, upset stomach and things like that. Um, just feeling generally unwell. And it's from breathing in those exhaust fumes, uh, you know, all day long in that sort of close proximity. I know that, you know, once I get home and I, uh, you know, take my clothes off to take a shower and stuff like that, and I'll leave my, you know, clothes in the hamper in the bedroom or whatever, um, you know, you can come back into the bedroom a couple hours later and it's all you smell is exhaust fumes uh, that are just in through the clothing and all that sort of stuff. So there's, you know, with the hedge trimming and stuff like that, I've absolutely loved the transition to battery power. But with me, um, like I said, there's a lot of different, um, you know, like I said, case scenarios for that. Uh, and one of them is that prolonged trimming time and stuff like that, that uh, I can see those benefits. The battery power with the Milwaukee um, M18 uh, stuff, especially with like the nine amp hour high output batteries, if you are doing like hedge trimming, it's like a two hour runtime. Uh, and it's, you know, for me, proven to be uh, the case. Like it does not seem to run out of battery uh, when I'm using uh, the hedge trimmers. They just keep going and going and going. Uh, and you would think that, um, you know, because it's interesting that they advertise different run times. Like if you're string trimming, it's only an hour. But if you're hedge trimming, that same battery is like two hours. And you would think, hey, an electric motor is an electric motor and, and that sort of stuff. But uh, obviously the load is different uh, on those uh, motors as well. Uh, you know, if you're actually uh, uh, have this, those two blades kind of going back and forth on a hedge trimmer versus the string, uh, which is, uh, you know, um, shooting out uh, far away from the head which puts a load on it and then it's cutting through material which is resisting uh, putting some resistance on it as it's spinning as well um, you know might have something to do with it uh, so it's interesting in that point I'm not an electrical engineer so I don't understand uh, the actual you know why um, the different uh, things obviously different motor sizes as well uh, are going to have uh, you know an effect on that battery life 
But uh, for those uh, cases, uh, like I said, I really do enjoy using that battery power. Now, I have the advantage in the fact that if I'm using it for hedge trimming, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest um, with uh, all the rain we get and all that sort of stuff is I will generally pick and choose when I'm doing those jobs. I don't, uh, if you've you know, heard of this podcast uh, for any length of time, you know that I don't promise clients uh, particular days or when I'm going to do those extra jobs. You know, if it's lawn mowing, then I'm uh, absolute stickler for the schedule. I put you on the list and, you know, you get your mow each week on that day, unless it's an absolute torrential downpour, um, then you know, uh, like they're calling for like a storm or something like that, uh, like we had a couple weeks back, uh, where I actually will move uh, the schedule or skip that day because, you know, there's just, it's just not worth being out there when it's that heavy. But if it's just a regular rain, um, then I will be out there, I'll be mowing, I'll be uh, doing, um, you know, everything uh, that I need to, uh, because uh, the rain isn't usually that heavy. And if it does fall heavy on a regular rain day, it's like, you know, five minutes. Uh, and you can usually, you know, seek out shelter, go back to the truck or something, wait it out, and it'll uh, lighten up and then you can get back to work again. Uh, but there's occasionally those days where, you know, it rains really heavy. So because I don't promise clients when I'm going to do those extra jobs, those things like hedge trimming and tree pruning and things like that, I just tell them when they ask me, you know, if they ask me for a price, uh, a lot of cases they don't, they just say, hey, can you uh, trim that tree or, you know, can you, um, you know, trim that hedge uh, when you get a chance? And I just say, okay, I'll put it on my list. That's all I tell them is I'll put it on my list and I'll get to it as soon as I can. And that's you know, that's it. I've always found that, you know, the minute you uh, tell somebody you're going to be there on that, you know, Friday or the Monday to do that, something inevitably comes up that prevents you from going. And then you have to call the customer and reschedule it. And then that can lead to disappointment and all that sort of stuff. So I never promise them a day. So that works to my advantage when it comes to doing stuff like this and using battery power, because I will pick the best days. If it's raining out there, even if it's a, a lighter rain and stuff, I generally won't do that stuff because, you know, I may have come off of uh, mowing three or four days in a row in the rain and I just don't feel like being out in the rain again uh, on say the fifth day or something like that. So, you know, I might um, do the podcast or do videos or something, uh, you know, uh, from the warmth of the house or something instead. Right. So I have that uh, ad advantage that I can pick and choose the days uh, that I use that battery powered equipment. But this isn't going to be the case for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to, um, you know, need to rely on their equipment, even in poor weather conditions, especially uh, when it's things like hedge trimming uh, and tree pruning and stuff like that. Uh, because for most people, they don't want to mow in the rain. Um, that It's just not something that uh, they do. And they'll do those other types of work in the rain uh, where they're not having to fight a lawnmower and clumps in the grass and, and all that sort of stuff. They would much rather do the hedge trimming and things like that uh, in the rain. And, you know, for something like the Milwaukee system, you know, I don't think I would rely on that uh, in the rain. I'm not sure how, uh, you know, battery, uh, how sealed the batteries are or the electrical components are uh, in the rain or in prolonged rain. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, my guess without knowing for sure uh, is that it would not do well or it wouldn't end well, uh, you know, constantly using uh, that stuff in the rain, uh, especially from seeing some of the other manufacturers like uh, steel and stuff like that uh, with some of their uh, commercial battery equipment that they're uh, starting to put out and some of the other companies putting out where you can get, um, you know, they'll have... Um, uh, like those backpack batteries uh, that you actually wear on your back and 
and uh, they'll have like a water weatherproof case uh, backpack that that battery pack goes into to keep it dry so that you can, uh, you know, use it in that inclement weather. So definitely uh, something, um, you know, to uh, think about, uh, you know, if this is going to be uh, something that, uh, you know, you have to uh, worry about uh, in your own business. If more and more cities uh, start to uh, put these bands uh, in place for this equipment. Now, it's interesting that here in Vancouver, what they mentioned was a, a ban on two-stroke equipment. Um, and, you know, that's interesting because, of course, there is four-stroke uh, small equipment that is just as noisy. Uh, for years and years in my own business, I had uh, used uh, a Honda uh, four-stroke uh, string trimmer. And, uh, you know, it was maybe not as high pitched of a noise, uh, but it was definitely just as noisy, just as loud as any other uh, gas powered equipment. Uh, so, you know, that part of it is uh, interesting and it makes me wonder if, you know, this is one of those things um you know, that you see some from time to time uh, as the, you know, do as I say, but not as I do type thing, because I know the city has done things in the past uh, here, at least where, you know, they may have banned, say, like weed control, like you can't put weed killers or pesticides and stuff on lawns. But the city itself, the city's crews, they're still allowed to use it. Uh, you know, so it's like one of those things, like everybody else can't use it, but the city to maintain the city's own properties, they're allowed to use it. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure uh, if that uh, would be, you know, uh, uh, something that would be uh, an exclusion or, an, you know, exempt, uh, you know, the city would be exempt from uh, those particular bylaws in their own, you, you know, use case scenarios, but everybody else would, uh, you know, be banned from using um, the stuff. Definitely, you know, a possibility, something I've seen in the past. Uh, but, uh, you know, what is the feasibility with using electric equipment? You know, I'm all for using electric equipment, uh, like I've said, um, you know, in the past there with the, the hedge trimmers and things like that. Where I don't use um, electric equipment is with like the string trimming, for example. And I've done, um, you know, experiments with uh, using the Milwaukee uh, M18 uh, string trimmer, and uh, it went fine. Um, you know, using, uh, I did a couple of videos, if you're interested, you can uh, look on my YouTube channel. Uh, I did some videos a few years ago about whether you could use something like that Milwaukee uh, string trimmer. And, uh, you know, my um, overall um sort of impression of it uh, was that, uh, you know, it is feasible, but, uh, you know, there was a couple of issues uh, with at least that particular uh, brand or line of uh, battery powered equipment uh, that uh, just didn't make it worth it. Uh, so I'm just going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll get back into it right after this. So stay tuned. Hey, Lenny Magno with Exmark here with some food for thought when it comes to choosing the right zero-turn mowers. What do you value in a zero-turn mower? Productivity, reliability, cut quality, or a combination of each? At Exmark, we're constantly listening to our customers to ensure our Laser Z mowers deliver the right features, productivity, and uptime performance to help them grow their business. Visit Xmark.com to learn about the innovations that make the Laser Z the green industry's most trusted zero-turn mower. Okay, and uh, just a quick thank you to Xmark uh, Manufacturing for, uh, again, sponsoring uh, the podcast uh, through the 2021 season. Absolutely uh, appreciate uh, their support and uh, allowing me uh, to be able to uh, put out uh, this content uh, for you guys. Uh, so in my experiments with using battery-powered, uh, at least the Milwaukee uh, string trimmer and stuff like that, uh, when I did those videos was... That, um, you know, for the small city type properties that I do, um, I was able to get through uh, the day. And I'll, I'll break this down into I did some tests. Uh, I picked a, a specific day of the week. 
um, where I had a bunch of lawns and uh, I did the test initially with the nine amp hour battery and uh, I was able to get through uh, 10 lawns or 11 lawns. I can't remember exactly 10 or 11 lawns um, by having two nine amp hour batteries. Uh, and uh, I think I got through five or six uh, lawns before I had to switch out the battery uh, for the uh, the second battery. And then the following week, uh, I did the exact same route, tried to, you know, replicate the conditions exactly, you know, as, as best I could. So I, that's why I did back to back weeks so that uh, they were, you know, uh, only uh, seven days apart uh, and would have the same uh, amount of growth and stuff uh, on those lawns and doing the exact same houses in the exact same order and also the same types of conditions as far as temperature and all that sort of stuff, because, you know, it's only really a week apart. Uh, so I did that same test using the the large, um, what is it, a 12 amp hour battery. It was that really big, uh, huge battery that uh, they put out that came uh, out with their uh, chainsaw. I think it's the 12 amp hour. And uh, I was able to get through the entire day uh, with just that one battery uh, doing the same, you know, 10 or 11 properties uh, that I did that day. And uh, now keep in mind, these are small residential, you know, in the city, dense type city neighborhoods. So you're doing maybe five minutes, 10 minutes of trimming on each property and that's it. And, you know, and the edging and all that sort of stuff. So I was able to get through, um, you know, that uh, the entire day with uh, the one uh, 12 amp hour battery. Uh, but what I found was uh, for one you know, the comfort level wasn't the same. The, that particular machine was not as balanced uh, as um, the string, like a gas-powered string trimmer was. Uh, you'd think it would be, you know, the same, but it wasn't. Um, it was a bit different. But that's something that, you know, muscle memory, uh, you know, the more you use it, the more you would get used to it. Um, so that's not a really big deal. But the one thing that I found, at least with the Milwaukee, was that they claim that it had a consistent power band through, you know, the entire battery life that, you know, from the moment you press that trigger with a full charge to the time that battery dies, it has the same amount of power throughout. And in my um, experience, it didn't. Um, so it would go good for maybe, you know, the first 15 minutes or so you'd have tons of power, tons of torque, uh, that, you know, really, uh, you know, rivaled a gas powered unit. But after that initial 15 minutes or so that power would drop and it was a noticeable uh, drop in power. And then it would stay at that sort of lower power the rest of uh, that battery's uh, charge uh, cycle there. And then uh, the other interesting thing too, is that uh, from that point on, it would give you no warning as to when it would shut off. And it just, you know, will be working fine. Then all of a sudden it cuts out and, you know, there's no more power. And, uh, you know, I've since learned that those uh, equipment like that will have, uh, built-in protections to prevent you from overly discharging the battery um, so that uh, you're not damaging uh, those battery cells uh, because if you go too low then uh, you risk uh, not being able to charge the battery fully again so they have a certain voltage like a voltage cutoff so that's why uh, you'll be using it and it's not like a you know, uh, traditional, like say, uh, you know, in the days where you might have like an old AM radio or something like that with some, you know, double A batteries or something like that. And you'd be listening to it. And then over time, the volume would get uh, lower and lower. And then the station would start to crackle up more and more. And you knew it was the batteries that were, uh, you know, starting to run out or your TV remote, you know, it works really well, but then, you know, you got to start to press the buttons a little bit harder and it doesn't always, uh, 
you know, uh, translate uh, to switching the channels or whatever you're trying to do as the batteries uh, start to fade away. Whereas with, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, lithium batteries and stuff like that, it like works, 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 and then just stops. And then that's it. Because once that battery, once that voltage drops below that whatever uh, specified point is, it just completely stops. So uh, there was that. Now, a lot of people uh, also from comments and stuff on my videos about uh, that Milwaukee stuff would also comment that they were having issues with overheating where they could go, um, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so and then the machine just overheats. Uh, and when it, it obviously has some sort of thermal shutoff, uh, so once uh, it reaches a certain uh, temperature, um, the machine shuts down and then they have to wait like 20 minutes for uh, it to cool down uh, before they can use it again. Now, that's not something that I experienced with my Milwaukee, but again, um, you know, I wasn't using the string trimmer for prolonged periods. I was trimming these houses, these small density uh, type neighborhood houses. So I'm, you know, trimming for five minutes, 10 minutes, and then that's it. Then I'm putting it back in the uh, trailer, then I'm going to do all the mowing and then blowing and all that stuff. So, you know, it is sitting for 20 minutes before, uh, you know, I get to the next house, uh, for example. So it was having uh, sufficient time uh, to cool down if it was even getting close to a thermal shutdown, which uh, I've never uh, experienced. Now, with the what's interesting um is uh, even with the hedge trimming um i've never experienced a thermal shutdown even using the equipment for longer but hedge trimming again works differently um i believe just from you know the advertised run times using the exact same battery you get twice as much run time on a single charge uh, hedge trimming than you do with string trimming so obviously um you know and that's even with like the milwaukee um quick lock system which is using you know basically the combi system so uh, if you have a string trimmer attachment on it versus the hedge trimmer attachment with the same battery the hedge trimmer attachment is going to get twice as long uh runtime on that same battery than is if it had the string trimmer attachment on it so obviously uh string trimming puts a much bigger load uh on um you know those uh batteries so you know this is all something and in, in the end um for my you know use case uh i thought uh you know i came to the conclusion that the you know battery string trimmer is it's fine it's got plenty of power in that beginning stages and it would be great for specific case uses like hey you want to get started early um, you know, and you want to get to your first property a bit earlier. And, uh, you know, typically when you're getting to a property and you want to, you know, you're going to start doing your trimming and all that sort of stuff first, uh, you know, it's a good lower noise alternative. Of course, unless you're also mowing and stuff with battery powered equipment, uh, then, you know, that sort of gets lost. Um, but, uh, you know, at least you can do the trimming part, uh, you know, a little bit quieter uh, to start uh, the day uh, and, uh, and not have to, uh, you know, worry about uh, that sort of excessive noise in that aspect. But I also found that with those same you know, if we were to compare those 10 lawns or 11 lawns, if I were to do the exact same lawns with, say, my Echo SRM 2620T, uh, you know, two-stroke gas-powered unit, I could literally do uh, all of those same 10 lawns on uh, less than one tank of fuel uh, with that uh, SRM 2620T. Because, of course, again, you know, uh, these are small, dense city properties. I'm only trimming for five or 10 minutes or so. Uh, so filling, uh, you know, that uh, fuel tank on that unit, which is, uh, you know, relatively small, you would think. Um, you know, you're talking even here in uh, the West Coast of Canada, where we've got crazy, uh, lots of like fuel, uh, you know, uh, taxes and stuff on our fuel. Um, you know, we're paying you know, sometimes a dollar sixty per liter for just regular fuel, which is going to translate into like five or six dollars a gallon uh, for you in the U.S. Uh, for fuel. Um, 
you know, it's crazy expensive uh, for fuel. And even at that rate, when, you know, you do the math, if I'm filling up that, you know, SRM 2620T in the morning, I may be putting 50, 60, 75 cents of fuel in that uh, machine and it's lasting me all day long. And I have consistent power from the start of that fuel till the end of that fuel. So unlike the battery powered equipment, at least with that Milwaukee, it doesn't experience any drop in power or anything like that. As long as there's gas and fuel in that tank, it's consistently the same amount of power, uh, which then translates into, uh, you know, faster work time, you know, uh, because once once that power band slows down or drops in the battery powered equipment, it takes longer to get the same amount of work done. And, you know, that's obviously an issue. So for me, at the end of the day, um, not having to worry about, you know, charging batteries every night uh, with the Milwaukee stuff and, uh, uh, and having to carry extra batteries and stuff like that in case uh, things run out. Um, and then ultimately, because I wasn't needing to refuel throughout the day uh, with you know the types of lawns that I'm doing, I fill up, uh, literally fill up in the morning before I load the equipment and I am good for the day. Um, and, uh, you know, I can go and, and it'll just be, it'll be like perfect. Like, uh, by the time I'm finished, um, you know, my day, there's, you know, just a little bit of fuel left, uh, at the bottom, uh, of the tank there. And, uh, so for me, it was like, well, it doesn't really make much sense, uh, because it's only costing me 50, 60, you know, 75 cents a day, uh, in fuel to run this two stroke, uh, trimmer. So it's not an excessive amount of uh, savings. I'm sure, you know, obviously it probably only cost me a few pennies to charge uh, the batteries. Um, but, you know, it just, it, there's that trade-off of having to remember to plug them in and charge them and then in the morning and stuff. And it's not, I guess, once you got into a, a routine of it, uh, it's not a huge deal. And eventually, um, I do believe that battery power will be, um, you know, sort of the standard. But it's uh, one of those things that right now, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, I could be wrong. Again, my experience is very limited in using just the Milwaukee uh, stuff, which uh, is borderline... You know, I wouldn't call it um, full commercial use, um, which is interesting uh, to me, especially when you, you know, you think of their blowers and things like that. Um, You know, definitely not something I would consider commercial uh, quality, but obviously the rest of Milwaukee's line is all made for professionals, right? It's, uh, you know, construction work and plumbers and all sorts of different tools and things for trades that they make, which are all commercial use, yet their uh, lawn and garden stuff I wouldn't consider on the same level as, um, you know, some of the other offerings uh, out there. Uh, So, you know, like I said, my uh, use case is uh, very different. Now, the other interesting thing um, with battery power that, uh, you know, some of these, uh, you know, counselors and things like that don't think about uh, in making their decisions is that uh, it doesn't come without noise. Um, battery power is noisy as well. Is it as noisy? Uh, no, but in a lot of cases it is. Like the if you've ever heard a, uh, an electric blower, um, it's just as annoying. Um, it's very high pitched whiny noise, um, which is, um, you know, where that, uh, you know, where gas blowers get their sort of bad reputation because you'll see that these, a lot of these counselors and things like that, um, are banning, um, 
you know, that particular type of equipment. Some places uh, aren't doing a full, you know, assault on like gas powered equipment. They're doing it on just like leaf blowers. Uh, leaf blowers are like the biggest offenders uh, because of that sort of high pitched whiny sound. Uh, you know, and you know, they'll let you still use gas powered lawnmowers and stuff, but it's the leaf blower that they don't like. Well, you know, with uh, the electric stuff, you just get the high-pitched whiny sound. You don't you don't get the lower throaty part uh, sound with it. You just get the high-pitched uh, part of it. And the problem um, that they're not thinking about is that at least with a, a gas-powered blower, it's got the power behind it to get the job done quickly and efficiently. So while it may be noisy, it's for a shorter period of time. Um, my, uh, you know, uh, if, if point being that, you know, if you're using an electric uh, piece of, uh, you know, say a, a leaf blower, um, at least the ones that I've seen so far, they just don't have the power behind them. Uh, so you'll get into the fall in those more difficult type situations where there's, you know, a ton of leaves and it's wet, uh, and they're heavy and you're trying to, you know, use a, a, the, an electric leaf blower and you're getting that high pitched whiny, uh, electric motor sound, uh, happening and but the problem is that you're now going to have that for two or three times longer than you would with a gas-powered machine because it just takes so much longer to get the job done. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that electric um, <clears throat> uh, motors in general or battery-powered doesn't have the power. It does. <clears throat> That's been proven in you know so many different applications. Just look at, uh, you know, um, an example I give all the time uh, is, uh, you know, cars with Tesla, right? Um, you put uh, a Tesla uh, P100D uh, uh, Model S uh, on a, a drag line and there's not much that can uh, keep up with it off the line. Uh, there's so much torque, so much power instantly available um, that uh, they literally will glue you to your seat. And, uh, you know, it makes them ideal, makes electric motors ideal for so many different applications. Um, you know, uh, once that sort of technology of figuring out the charge and range and all that sort of stuff uh, is figured out. And that's sort of that issue that we have here uh, with battery power. Now, it is a... Um, one of those things where it's sort of a catch-22. Uh, because I do believe, too, that if legislation and stuff like that is not put forth uh, for kind of banning things like that, then a lot of these companies that uh, develop equipment um, will kind of just sit on their laurels and they don't do the research and development. They don't they're not proactive uh, with this stuff, right? Because it's all about the bottom line, all about the bottom dollar and uh, making a profit and all that stuff, which, you know, obviously that's what they have to do, right? They're uh, a business. They have to make a profit. They're employing uh, tons of people in the industry uh, and all that sort of stuff. But it would be nice to see some more research and development uh, along uh, those lines. It always makes me wonder, like, you know, take a, a typical lawnmower um, from any manufacturer, uh, you know, a Kawasaki engine or something like that, whatever the, you know, the standard, uh, you know, go-to engine, a Briggs and Stratton, whatever the case may be. And, you know, you start up that mower and how noisy is that machine? It's quite noisy. Um, and, you know, you put it beside it and it's relatively a small engine. Uh, versus, say, a car where you can have a four-cylinder engine, a six-cylinder engine, and even an eight-cylinder engine. Think of a, a Cadillac or uh, something like that, some luxury brand car that has like a full-size V8 engine in it, and you can be standing beside it having a full-on conversation with that car running and uh, not even, you know, hear the engine running. Uh, yet, you know, with a small little 
four horsepower push mower, you know, you can barely, uh, you know, hear yourself think standing beside it. So it makes you wonder, like, why haven't they developed, um, you know, just and, and, and done the research and stuff to make these machines quieter uh, and, uh, you know, make them more efficient. Uh, you have vehicles that, uh, it's funny, like you'll see, uh, you know, a road full of traffic cars going by, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you know, there's lots of times where, you know, I'll be out for a walk or something like that. And you're, you're on a road and, you know, lots of cars going by and, you know, I don't, you don't even notice the cars in terms of, uh, the smell, like it, it smells fine. Uh, you know, you're not, you, there's obviously pollution happening there. You're obviously breathing in pollution, but you don't smell it. You don't, uh, thing, but the minute an old car goes by, like an old, you know, vintage restored car, a muscle car or something like that goes by, you smell it. Like you, it's, you can tell a car has no pollution devices on it at all, right? It's just uh, maybe some mufflers and straight pipes and that's it. But you smell uh, the hydrocarbons and stuff uh, in the air as it goes by. It lingers in the air uh, and you just, you smell it versus, you know, having a bunch of traffic of modern cars going by and you don't smell any of it because it's all going through catalytic converters and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, uh, it uh, is just cleaner, burning, more efficient. So it makes you wonder why, uh, you know, this stuff hasn't been developed uh, in uh, the green industry, why it hasn't been uh, pushed forward. And it's because there's been no legislation uh, for that sort of stuff, right? So I think that's part of uh, the issue is that um, for years and years and years, um, you know, this stuff was initially invented, two-stroke engines and, you know, your basic four-stroke engines and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, there has been some advancements in terms of, you know, uh, some are like uh, fuel injected and stuff, you know, uh, for larger mowers and things like that and uh, things. But generally, this stuff has not um, advanced um, in terms of pollution and noise uh, and that. And, uh, you know, there's just so much uh, that could have probably uh, been done. But of course, it all comes down uh, to the cost, you know, developing that stuff to make it quieter, uh, to make it more, uh, you know, cleaner burning and more efficient and all that sort of stuff. It all comes at a cost. And if there's no incentive there, if there's no legislation there to kind of push that forward, uh, then, uh, you know, a lot of companies, they're just not going to do that, uh, right? Because it's, it's just unnecessary uh, to have to add all of that extra cost uh, to a particular machine when the market is so competitive, right? No company is going to go and research and develop, you know, miniature catalytic converters and things like that and, and noise reduction and all that stuff and have all these extra parts on their uh, motors and mowers uh, for which is going to inevitably add a lot more to the cost of that particular machine when, you know, say none of their competitors are doing that. And, you know, when it comes down to it, people are, uh, you know, uh, going to be, um, you know, comparing a price as a very big uh, part of their purchase decision uh, when it comes to equipment. So, I think that's generally part of the issue as well, is that, you know, if, if you have that legislation in place, um, then it puts all of those manufacturers on the same um, sort of playing field and they all have to develop it. So then their finished products are all equally competitive price-wise uh, with all of that, those advancements included. Um, so, you know, that's just one of the, the things, right? And it's only going to get, uh, you know, worse uh, as, uh, you know, time goes on. There's no uh, denying climate change. It's, you know, it's absolutely uh, proven. Uh, I was watching uh, 
something on TV uh, the other day as well, and they're just showing a lake uh, in California and just the water levels. There's been no snow uh, accumulations uh, this year, and this uh, lake there that's there that supplies drinking water to, I forget how many hundred thousand people uh, in this particular community, uh, the water level was down uh, the equivalent of a five-story building. And you could actually see it because the tree line, uh, w- this there was this like lake with uh, surrounded by these uh, mountains. And the tree line started where the water had traditionally been for decades. Uh, and you could see that the water was down way, way low. Uh, and for this time of year, like I said, it was like a, equal to like a five-story building uh, in uh, just a, a lack of water there. And that it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, you see all these forest fires every year in California and stuff. And, um, you know, just my own experience driving through California a couple of years ago uh, in, uh, what was that, uh, the summer of 2019, and, uh, you know, uh, in the summer, uh, driving through and in the middle of the night, like literally driving through uh, an active forest fire uh, off of uh, the Interstate 5 there. And just, it was just surreal. Uh, in the middle of the night, I think it was around just after midnight, uh, by the time uh, we crossed into uh, the California uh, border, it was like uh, right on the border of Oregon and California. And uh, to see uh, this forest fire happening just like uh, just a few, uh, you know, hundred feet away from uh, the highway uh, that you're going through. And it was just crazy to think. Um, and, uh, you know, each year we've seen it get worse and worse with the, the fire, forest fires and devastation is just so hot and humid. There's just, so you know, not enough water, uh, not enough rainfall and uh, not enough, uh, you know, uh, snow, the the. Uh, temperature is obviously rising and, um, you know, that is uh, a contributor to it is all of uh, those uh, uh, gases uh, that uh, the small equipment puts out. So I definitely see how uh, as we go forward, you know, electric equipment will become the norm uh, as more and more cities and towns and places start uh, implementing uh, bans uh, on equipment and stuff like that as well. Of course, we're in a sort of a, you know, in uh, uh, one of those situations, though, like I said, catch 22 again, in the in the sense that, you know, not all places are, uh, you know, going to be or have the benefit that, uh, you know, the place, you know, where I'm from here in British Columbia have, and that is that uh, all of our power is hydropower. Uh, so it's hydroelectric dams uh, that they have uh, built out. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, rivers and stuff like that that they've built uh, dams on. So our power is uh, relatively clean power, right? It's just water going, uh, passing through turbines that is uh, creating uh, that electrical power versus, um, you know, lots of other places are still coal powered, you know, power plants that are spewing pollution. So if you're, um, you know, uh, legislating the use of electric only equipment you're not getting the the pollution savings there if you're in a place that relies on that coal powered uh power plant because you know it just means that more people more batteries more things are getting charged at night that are uh, equaling that same carbon footprint or sometimes more uh because of uh those uh, the coal powered uh power plants um, so like I said, it's a little bit different here on the, the West coast of, uh, British Columbia because it's all hydropower. So it's all, uh, clean power, um, in that sense, but uh, in most places it's not. And, uh, that's, uh, definitely, uh, an issue as well. Now, some of the benefits, um, with going, uh, all electric, um, is, uh, you know, they always start. Uh, so a lot of you guys know uh, this is something I've experienced this week for sure as well. Um, I've been doing that Red Armor uh, oil challenge and uh, with Echo. And uh, uh, part of the challenge is to take a piece of equipment uh, that has never seen Red Armor oil in it and uh, to run it and to uh, take an endoscopic camera, put it in the uh, 
you know, uh, cylinder head, take photos of the uh, piston and stuff like that uh, before you start using red armor, then use red armor for uh, three months or so and uh, take some photos afterwards and see how much the red armor has cleaned those carbon deposits and stuff out of that uh, cylinder uh, head. And uh, so uh, the only piece of equipment that I had left um that hadn't used red armor in it was my uh, steel uh, SH-56C handheld handheld blower shredder vac. Uh, and a lot of you guys know that I use a handheld blower, uh, you know, every day for my uh, weekly maintenance. I want to use the leaf, the, the big backpack blowers for uh, leaf season. Uh, so I decided to swap out uh, my uh, Echo um, PB uh, 2520 handheld blower for the uh, steel uh, version for the next few months uh, while I do this, uh, uh, you know, uh, handheld challenge. And we've had this past week um, some very, very hot temperatures, like very, very hot temperatures. Uh, and uh, it, I was experiencing just like in the morning when it was cool and I was starting out, the steel would start out fine, go to the next house, it was fine. But my, by mid-afternoon, when the temperatures were, you know, uh, in their highest uh, sort of levels, um, I was struggling to get this uh, blower started. Um, I was uh, pulling that starter rope, uh, trying everything I could, and it was just like vapor lock uh, from just the high temperatures. Um, and it was very difficult uh, to get the unit started. I burned through the skin on my fingers uh, and palms pulling uh, that starter rope over and over again, got blisters and stuff from constantly trying to get that. Uh, and it just made the whole situation miserable when it's so hot outside, you're already tired uh, and exhausted uh, from it and trying to get this thing started and it just won't start because of the vapor lock. And then you'd finally, you know, you spend 10 minutes trying to get this thing started. Um, and, you know, you would get that uh, house done, you know, 30 seconds of blowing and then put it away, go to the next house. And then when it was time to blow, it'd be the exact same issue. Wouldn't start again. Uh, and just, you know, problem after problem after problem. And then, you know, the next day, you start out in the morning, the first, you know, half a dozen houses is completely fine. It would start no problem as the, you know, cooler morning temperatures. But as it got hot in the afternoon, wouldn't start. So just, you know, <clears throat> with electric power, you know, always starts. You pull the trigger, it's working. And uh, man, I wish I had uh, an electric blower at the time on those days uh, where it was crazy hot because uh, uh, it would have really helped. Uh, so then the other thing we kind of briefly talked on is even though, you know, it's not a huge savings on fuel, uh, especially when you consider the cost of batteries and all that sort of stuff, it is still a cost, of, uh, you know, a savings on fuel and a savings on uh, the time uh, that it uh, go, you know, that you have to go to the gas station and fuel up uh, your jerry cans and stuff like that too is a bit of a savings. And, you know, there's one thing I keep thinking about uh, replacing my truck as well. And uh, one of my biggest problems with uh, replacing my truck is I, I don't want to spend the money on a new vehicle that's still a gas vehicle or a diesel vehicle. I just I just see everything going in the direction of electric and I would love to have an electric powered uh, vehicle. But then I always think, well, it kind of defeats the purpose if, uh, you know, I have an electric powered vehicle, but I still got to take that electric powered vehicle to a gas station, you know, every week to fill up my equipment and uh, all of my things. So it kind of defeats uh, the purpose there. So, uh, you know, a little bit of savings there on the fuel, uh, but of course that uh, is uh, a bit uh, counteracted by the cost of batteries and stuff like that. Uh, so it's, the jury's still out on whether, uh, you know, over the long run, uh, if the battery uh, would be still uh, feasible that way. Uh, of course, uh, the other issue is if you had an all-electric, um, you know, uh, equipment uh, package, um, that, uh, you know, it is generally lower noise. Uh, you know, the string trimmer is going to be uh, much lower noise than a gas-powered uh, counterpart. Uh, you know, if it was uh, electric mowers, they're going to be uh, quieter um, than, 
you know, their uh, gas-powered uh, counterparts. The blower, uh, while still quieter, it would be the one thing that is still, I think, would still be annoying for people uh, to hear. It is quieter, but uh, it's still going to have that uh, annoying whine uh, that, uh, you know, I'm sure it's better. Uh, most people will say it's better, less, uh, less noise than the gas-powered version, but it's still not uh, perfect in that sense. Uh, so, you know, overall, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, as I see it here, I've seen more and more comments on uh, Instagram from a lot of you guys too, that are facing in certain towns and cities who have already faced these bans on, uh, you know, leaf blowers and things like that and other uh, gas powered equipment or restrictions on times of year when that stuff can be used. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you really, as a business owner, have to keep in your mind as a possibility for where you are, uh, that it may not, you know, it may happen. Now, you know, this legislation that was put forward here in uh, the main city here is not the city that I'm in. Uh, so this, you know, potential legislation doesn't affect me at this moment, but being as it's the main city uh, in the region, if it were to pass and be adopted, I can absolutely see that all of the surrounding cities, including the one I'm in, in the suburbs, would all um, adopt the same uh, policies uh, as well. Uh, so definitely something uh, that, uh, you know, is a possibility uh, for me and my business in the future as well, uh, you know, a ban on uh, gas-powered uh, uh, equipment. So, uh, you know, that's uh, all I have for you guys this week. Uh, Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.